Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. Hi, and welcome to Radio Motherboard. I'm staff writer Jason Kebler. This week, we were supposed to talk about the second half of season three of Black Mirror. But then on Tuesday, we as a nation, I guess, decided to elect Donald Trump as our next president. This has caused quite a bit of havoc all throughout the United States, as no one really thought that this was going to actually happen. So we decided to spend the beginning of this episode talking about Donald Trump's election and campaign through the lens of science fiction and Black Mirror. Last week, the editor of Terraform, our science fiction vertical, Brian Merchant, wrote a piece called A Vote for Trump is a Vote for Dystopia. I called up Brian to have him talk about that piece. Fair warning, he had to kind of duck out of a family obligation and record this under a tree, so the recording quality isn't perfect. There's some birds chirping, which you'll hear throughout. President-elect Donald Trump has not rounded up all the chirping birds <laughs> yet. The sound quality isn't so bad, so here you go. Our nation has become one large black mirror episode and so we we've uh, just elected president elect donald trump which was foreshadowed in the season two episode the waldo moment in which a bombastic cartoon bear manages to come dangerously close to being elected to political office by railing against the establishment essentially um and that seems to be what donald trump has successfully done to america Harris, uh, we- something's got to change no one trusts you lot because they know you don't give a shit about anything outside your bubble what about your mate gladwell the kiddie flasher you knew him for 20 years did you not know what he was like no of course not yeah because you're all just front like him sly and pretending and in that way you're all the same gwendolyn harris um is all of politics a waste of time well of course, I, I think no. Oh, shut up! You're worse. Seriously, she's faker oh, than him. For, for once, I find myself agreeing with Liam Monroe in that this really doesn't get us anywhere, and there isn't much point in this continuing. Why are you here? Tell them why you're here. If we can't have anything Tell resembling, them why you're here. Tell, Tell them why you're here. A... She's here to build a showreel. I'm not kidding. That's literally it. No, she's not going to win. This is all experience to get herself on telly. 
She actually gives less of a shit about anyone around here than he does, because he'll actually have to represent you, am I wrong? A career politician. Someone else less real than me, and I can do this. <laughs> can I just make a couple of... Oh, shut up! You pebble! What is this for? That's what you wanted to know, Mr. Monroe. And the truth is, none of us know anymore, thanks to you. What are you for? What are you for? Thank you, and good night. Brian, you wrote a very good medium piece last week about why casting a vote for Trump is a, a vote for uh, dystopia. Can you kind of just run us through why why you think that? Well... I mean, I think it's just right out in the open. It's the basic uh, point that I was trying to make was just that, like, every campaign for any political office by any candidate or party or anything is basically a bit of fiction, right? It says it's it's and it's two thrusts of fiction it's this is this is my speculation as to what the world will look like if you don't elect me donald trump's campaign was explicitly about this fictionalized version of america where people who live in inner cities are living in hell and you know dangerous refugees and migrants are pouring across the borders and there's all these existential threats that aren't really there, but he really pulls from sort of the same trappings as dystopian uh, fiction, uh, which, you know, pulls from those same headlines, so it's a nice little feedback loop. But this is what he's explicitly like, you know, this is, he made his worldview very clear, which is what makes this election so upsetting, is that he made it very clear to anybody who cared to read the transcripts to watch his appearances he it's this is how he sees the world as this burning catastrophic you know hellfire engulfed place where the only hope is to elect somebody who like him who can just kind of order people around or you know in, in engage in authoritarianism and you know i didn't really think it would be so successful as everybody else did but you know it uh, you know I, I i can't help but see parallels here you know this is the this is the same kind of thinking that you know sort of animates the popularity of uh of, of zombie fiction this like really black and white manichaean like good you know like there is there's there's us there's our tribe the survivors and then there's everything else that's going wrong and the best way to deal with it is to just you know bash its head in what yeah and that's basically i mean that's not even really an exaggeration to say that's basically what trump sold the sold the american people and they've kind of enough people came out and endorsed that view that that you know we're on we are either are or are on the precipice of becoming of out and out nightmarish dystopia that you know he the votes were cast under under trump um and i guess the only other thing i'll say about it is that like that what there was a full narrative there hillary's campaign i think was often defensive and and operating under the assumption that this horrible scenario wouldn't be 
you know, wouldn't be in, wouldn't resonate with most of the country because so many of the, the, the stand-ins for zombies and the, the others that he chose were like, were, were real people who we know are not terrible people, but who a small segment of the frustrated population can, can blame, um, you know, marginalized people, minorities, you know, I, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So, but Hillary Clinton never really put together a full narrative. I feel like of spec. Uh, you know, she never like really bothered to speculate about like what the future would. I mean, she did a little bit, but not in not in near uh, as sort of comprehensive a way. After that, we decided to let Brian drop. Ankita Rao, Nicholas De Leon, and I decided to talk about the last three episodes of Black Mirror. So here we go. This is kind of an interesting time to be recording this podcast because I feel like two of these episodes really spoke to uh, the um, like fear that Trump was sort of promoting during uh, this election. So Man Against Fire is ostensibly about a soldier named Stripe who is in maybe like an Eastern European country. It's like unclear what's going on. And he's fighting zombies, like these Hellraiser white vampire demon things. That's like every mythical creature you can possibly have. But he's fighting these people uh, who, with, you know, drones and all this high-tech gadgetry. And then about halfway through, you learn that uh, these aren't zombies at all. They are people. And Stripe has this implant that has given him, uh, has kind of, changed his consciousness and changed his perceptions to show that, you know, these people are to be feared and killed. The roaches are getting more ingenious than we give them credit for. The whole thing's a lie. I understand why you'd say that, yeah. Roaches. They look just like us. Of course they do. That's why they're so dangerous. Humans. You know, we give ourselves a bad rep, but we're genuinely empathetic as a species. I mean, we don't actually really want to kill each other. Which is a good thing. Until your future depends on wiping out the enemy. I mean, I guess the the symbolism here is very obvious, but I thought it was still powerful. And I uh, didn't see this twist coming, even though I think a lot of people did. Uh... This is the othering of people who are not like us. I mean, this is the othering of Syrian refugees. It's the othering of, you know, uh, civilians in Iraq and soldiers in Iraq and, you know, all these other places that the U.S. has been. And it's also the dehumanizing of killing that has been done via drones and such. Um, Did you guys find this to be a powerful episode? And did you like what it had to say? Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't love this episode. I, I, it's been a little while since I've seen it, so I'm a little hazy on the details, but I don't remember, uh, really loving it. It just seemed so kind of straightforward and so, like, it seemed, seemed very, like, I don't like zombie fiction. Like, I think it's kind of boring and just, like, whatever. Uh, and it seemed very much in that vein. It's like, like, like you just said a second ago, these are the others. We have to, like, eliminate them. And it's like, yeah, this is not what I tune in for. So I, I, I didn't really have much to add beyond that. I was not terribly impressed with this episode. Like, I got it, but, like, so. Yeah, did you like it? Um, yeah, I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum of that because not not because I 
enjoyed necessarily watching it, but because I thought it was really relevant. I think dehumanization is something I think about a lot and something that's so incredibly easy to do, especially like the more we use filter bubbles or like the more that we curate our own lives. And so not only did I think that it was um, relevant to the way we see like refugees and war and the way that we can so easily take 50 lives in Pakistan and compared to like one life here and just think that like the false equivalency there is just crazy to me that we can be okay with one and not the other and it's always really bothered me um so there's that aspect and then on the other end of the spectrum there's also the aspect of I do think that the media in its as and I'm talking about like the media in quotations as like a thing um dehumanized Trump supporters to an extent that they were unable to hear them anymore um, after a certain point. And I think that that's why the narrative and the story got lost so many times. Um, And I mean, I think I'm complicit in that. I think that like, at some point, I was incapable of seeing a Trump supporter as someone who is not racist or sexist. And to me, that's kind of like a zombie face on them, right? Like, this is white man. This is like white man who doesn't believe anything I believe in. And this is white man who like doesn't care about my rights. And that was when that's the end of the story, which is not like something that obviously I consciously thought it was the end of the story. But when that becomes something that any of us think it's a problem. So on several different levels and maybe like watching this so close to the election, put like a huge lens on it for me. Um, yeah, I think that we are constantly dehumanizing people. Yeah, and I think, you know, this shows technology as the dehumanizer, the the dehumanizing factor. And I think that what's important here is we have this scene with Stripe and, um, you know, the army psychiatrist or, or whatever it is. And you sort of learn a little bit more about the technology and you learn that this is, you know, off screen, there is a president, a demagogue, you know, a, an apparatus that has implemented these policies to dehumanize these people. It's not the technology that's done it. It's the policy. And I think we're moving towards a, a place where a very scary and unknown place where, you know, we've already done a lot of that and we threaten to further institute it into our system. And I, I mean, I agree with you entirely that uh, we're at a place right now where we don't see the other side as humans. I don't think that a lot of Trump supporters saw, see, you know, immigrants as humans. I don't think they see refugees as humans. I don't think they see people of color or even women as humans often. Um, and that's not all of them, obviously. But at, at the same time, you know, when you think of a Trump supporter, who do you think of? You think of a guy wearing a hat at a rally, like shouting about Barack Obama not being from here. And, you know, he got, I don't know what the count is, but he got, you know, 50% of the votes, roughly. Uh, half of all Americans can't possibly think that, you know, so he was speaking this truth to um, this, he was speaking truth to the ineffectiveness of government to, you know, help out people in rural areas. If you look, he won every place that doesn't have a major city. I mean, he won, you know, Michigan and Wisconsin. Michigan has Detroit, but they didn't turn out in Detroit so uh, so much. But once you saw that he, 
you know, had a chance in Pennsylvania and he was going to win North Carolina and then he was, you know, won Ohio. You could tell that the people who are voting for him are people who have been disenfranchised in a totally different way than people of color have been disenfranchised. They've been disenfranchised by, you know, being ignored by the media and they've been disenfranchised by being ignored by politicians who have sold their interests to corporate entities and then, you know, overlooked them in, in terms of things like internet infrastructure and things that you need to compete in the 21st century. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that politicians have looked at their constituencies as humans or, or kind of serve their needs. And I don't think the media has done it. And I don't know really where we go from here. It's, it's super sad that like, like those are all like, these people have been ignored and you know, people, people, but like it's come to this where it's like someone like Trump, like, he is the champion of like he like it could have been anyone else anyone who was like you know I recognize that you you know you aren't participating in the new economy and so on and so forth but if it like it was Trump who was like the avatar of like their like of their concerns like it's so weird that it was this guy I mean it's uh, crazy that it's a guy who was on the fucking Apprentice yeah like, like that's a, what like he's a, no that's why they know him it's because they watch shitty TV and I I know that I'm being like no but he's a celebrity yeah, he's a celebrity. He's a celebrity, but like he, he, you know, he went from being like a celebrity to like the businessman of America by being on The Apprentice. And uh, I mean, like this is me othering these people and I shouldn't say it, but like I don't watch The Apprentice. Like very highly educated people don't didn't watch like every season of The Apprentice and watch I haven't TV. Seen they episode. cut the cord and like, it, I mean, this may, is this unfair? I don't I know. Mean, Highly educated people watch The Bachelorette all the time. Yeah, like, I mean, I watch wrestling, so who am I to say? So yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> it's I, nonsense I don't, I don't, all the time. I understand what you're saying, and I think that there's the normalization. You know, like when you see somebody that much, they become normal, and I think yeah. that, of course, it played into it that he was just on the screen all the time. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's definitely more of him speaking to a truth that nobody else is saying. Well, like I remember when when Hillary, I think it was West Virginia, she something to the effect of. Speaking to the coal miners, like, oh, well, you know, clean coal and put you out of work or whatever the case may be. And then he came in like a week later and he's like, she wants to put you guys out of work. Can you believe that? And he's just riling these people up and they're downtrodden and they're just looking for anyone to like speak to their concerns, you know, to the concerns of someone who's not some some 29 year old who lives in Brooklyn and, and, you know, goes to fancy coffee shops. Like, that's not what, whatever. It's like there are other ways of life in this country and i feel a lot of those folks just have been complete like look at any pop culture how many shows are set in new york or in la how many shows are set in nebraska this is why i keep telling everyone to watch the ranch on netflix starring ashton kutcher i'm dead serious it's a shitty shitty show but it's interesting it's very interesting to watch it it humanizes these people it i mean it's it's like a bad sitcom in the, in every sense of the word, but it's fascinating and it's uh, you know I'm not going to explain the plot <laughs> of the ranch right now, but I've watched 20 episodes of this right. thing and it's you know a show that's targeted at Middle America, the people who have sort of been forgotten, and it, sh- yeah. it tells the story of a family that's been forgotten and is like struggling economically, and uh, you know it tells it through like sort of like low. Low, sure. low key yeah. misogyny and racism, but it it's it's TV. It's TV. It's good. Um, it's Trump's America. It's Trump's it's America. Everyone should watch it. But I had a, I had a thing to say, okay. um, <laughs> which was that uh, I thought that the scene in um, this episode where they show Stripe 
accepting that whole program. Like they show him just kind of like showing up at this desk when he's really young and he's like really chill and he's clearly like just looking for a job that'll pay him and like take him and he can be like, you know, he'll be set and he gets it. And I feel like that's, um, it's called mass. Is it right? Yeah. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And so, and he accepts it so quickly, and I feel like, that's the scary part to me is how quickly people will accept something like that or, or like accept a lens to see the world through or accept somebody controlling parts of their lives just because they want their lives to have like a purpose or a direction. Yeah. And this is something uh, I've been saying that never came up in the campaign. It won't come up for a while, I bet. But these jobs that we've lost to trade have gone, you know, to, to China. Um, studies suggest that more jobs have come in because of it. But those jobs that have been outsourced have been automated in China. They're not coming back. They're not coming back under Trump. They're not coming back under Hillary. There's no manufacturing jobs. They're, they're going to be fewer, at least. Um, no one is talking about the fact that automation and robots are taking over the jobs of people who do routine work. And you know the the solution to this may or may not be based universal basic income which we've talked about uh, on the podcast before but no one's talking about this and uh one one of the like big complaints or about it is people need a purpose and they need something to do and people say they don't want sure. to sit around and do nothing uh but i don't i don't know what the other option is for people who uh you know are up in age can't necessarily retrain to do something in the globalized internet connected economy like what are they going to do and how are we going to retrain them and how like we we shouldn't give them factory jobs just so that they can have a factory job uh so that they can make products that are more expensive than the ones that are being pumped iphone robots assembled in the u.s yeah maybe i I don't know i mean these are not going to be good jobs in the future they're going to be really low wage if they exist and so i don't know it's, it's interesting these are so these are def- sense of purpose is like a big big and these are questions like i the camp the campaign like i said was just some big whatever like these are like, like i don't recall like a real policy like dis- debate or discussion there's a lot of name calling a lot of like scaring and like he's unqualified she's she's part of the establishment but there was like there was no discussion what you just said it's like these jobs are not coming back they've been automated where do you find peace in your life you know man woman like what why are we here <laughs> what are we doing there was like no discussion of anything of substance and so, so to me like i i when i was in college i studied journalism political science uh i was dead set on becoming like like a reporter for the washington post when i was like 18 19 years old and i just fell out of it just because in taking classes and, and like doing internships it was just so focused on like the, the the sport of it there was no discussion of like what are we doing like how can we improve people's life it was just so dispiriting to like see the system uh from in from that angle uh that i just kind of 
completely fell out of following it. So to see, it, to, for, so for me to get back into it now, and but there's still not these discussions that we should be having, like as a society, like what, why, are, what is the purpose of our lives, or what are we doing, what is work, why do we, you know, all these kind of like maybe heavy existential questions. But like, I would like to see this discussed rather than just you know. You know, he he's a jerk or she can't be trusted. It's like, I get it. Just, just anything else, please, you know? Yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> um, that's sort of a question in San Junipero. That's like a, a okay, it's a, I'll take that segue. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very lighthearted uh, Black Mirror episode. It has something resembling a happy ending, kind of. It follows Yorkie and Kelly, who uh, fall in love in San Junipero, which is a digital consciousness situation that we've talked about before, where maybe we don't have to die, we can just put our brains on a USB stick and stick it into a giant server somewhere and live forever on the internet, um, which sounds great. I was with you for 49 years. You can't begin to imagine. You can't know the bond, the commitment, the boredom, the yearning, the laughter, the love of it, the fucking love. You just cannot know. Everything we sacrificed. The years I gave him, the years he gave me. Did you think to ask? Did it occur to you to ask? We had a daughter. Allison. Always difficult, always beautiful died at 39 years old bless her heart and Richard and I we felt that heartbreak as one you think you're the only person ever suffered go fuck yourself why did you know didn't think to you know when he was dying Rich said to me when they offered him this to pass over pass through spend eternity in this fucking graveyard you're so in love with he said how can I when she missed out how can I and so we went. And I wish I could believe he's with her now, that they're together, but I don't. I believe they're nowhere. Just like you said, gone. No, I pitied you, and that's the truth. I pitied you. And now you give me some sales pitch about how fucking peachy forever could be. I'm sorry. You want to spend forever somewhere nothing matters? End up like Wes? All those lost fucks at the quagmire trying anything to feel something go ahead but i'm out the the show raises these these points like is it worth it is it worth it to like live a life where you don't where there are no stakes right there's like no stakes man i life. use that word a lot like what are the stakes for this it's low low stakes there's no stakes i don't know i, I enjoyed this episode it was very very lighthearted. uh you know it Black Mirror, and when you say Black Mirror, in my mind, it's automatically some bleak dystopian. This was kind of fun and lighthearted, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is is that is that is that a life worth living? A is that life, and B is that worth living? I don't know. I guess that's that's what that's what those folks, those decisions that they have to make. I don't know. If, for me personally, just to, to be like eternally like, hap- I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not the person. Thank you. 
I, I mean, I didn't like this episode, and I feel like I was the only person in, in the this world. This one is getting the best reviews of know, any of them. It's, like, universally hailed as the best episode. I know. I think because maybe people just, like, want to see people running around on a beach. <laughs> and I can't find much other... Like, I understand the concept, and I think the concept is fascinating, but I don't think it got even close to the fact that that is a meaningless life, and you can have no joy when you have no suffering. And, like, you can't live in like a world when you like when you don't like the fact that kelly gives up on like joining her husband and daughter in actual death for like this meaningless like you know fictional existence is very disturbing to me on so many levels because it's like what is the point of human connection if it's that easy to give away like it left me feeling very empty yeah. i did not like the ending yeah because like she i mean talks i didn't about, think of it as a happy ending i i agree and i think that those like you know that when there's like a little monologue that kelly does when she talks about like her life with her husband and she was yeah. like you don't know the boredom or the commitment that it right. was and like that was the only like that, yeah. meaningful part of this whole episode to me because i'm like that's the only thing that hit close to home and like what the actual moral like problem was in this situation and other than that it was treated as an escape and like i get it maybe we're at that point that we need an escape and like comfort content um (laughs) but honestly it wouldn't work and i can't imagine that it would get that popular for that long because that was a lot of telling not showing also of of her you know previous life that she was wasn't giving up like the show really wanted you to root for them to together and right. oh yeah uh, I just didn't. yeah i mean as someone who it's like the fling you have on study abroad like everybody goes home and it was like an like, extended jersey shore episode like yay we're having so much that's like is there any like do you ever like take a minute to just like read alone like on a saturday night when you're not partying yeah. it's like there's no like texture to this awesome life that you yeah this is a very uh this is like the black <laughs> mirror version of ta- okay everlasting <laughs> i mean it's whatever like that's it's harmless awesome. but it's like yeah, yeah it was definitely it's like tuck ever yeah, I mean, no, as as someone who, I mean, my best friend died of a, a disease uh, a couple years ago, and, like, I can't imagine living forever with, like, the pain that I still feel when I'm losing her. Like, I love my life, but, like, I don't, I don't want to do this forever. Like, right. especially if I got to watch I everyone that, else Jesus. do it. Like, a lot. <laughs> watch everyone you love die. Um, or, you know, maybe have some of them join you in this digital consciousness. Like, I don't know. I don't want to live in a world where there there are no stakes at all, I feel. But, uh, I mean, I, I I like the episode. I thought that it, it does raise really interesting points. And there, it's not necessarily too early to talk about this with, like, Peter Thiel taking the blood of the young, uh, allegedly. Right, right. And, uh, you know, pe- like, friend of Motherboard Zoltan Isfan and his fellow transhumanists talking about, uh, you know, how to live forever. I'm, I'm surprised Zoltan didn't win the presidency for words. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it raised a lot of good points, I think. I would also but like to know also, who owns, like, that server farm. Like, what is, you know... What are the privacy restrictions on yeah, this? Yeah, like none of that was addressed. About that, they, like we just revealed at the end. Hey, it's a big, you know, Google farm or whatever the case may be. It's like, eh, yeah, it's like it's a there? love. It's a love story. It does, you don't need. The All right, that's fine. Whatever. I mean, 
Yeah, I think it's kind of a cop out to choose this as your favorite episode of the season. Um, not yeah. not you. No, no, I'm just no, saying, no I'm, like, I'm, as, I'm as the de facto I would uh, guest, defend like, Shut Up and Dance forever. I, like I said last week. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Hate in the Nation earlier. Uh, I really like this one as well. Um, you know, an hour and a half of that combines journalism plus Twitter plus Honeybee Jones plus uh, like great revenge plot against like these mobs of people online in a utterly horrifying black mirror type of way was really awesome to me fuck's sake this is a list of everyone who's used the hashtag what everyone who took part in the game of consequences they've hoovered up their id from gchq by the looks of it that backdoor worked both ways it seems see if i'm on this I posted the tag earlier with Skull's face. We've written a lot about Twitter, and people have talked a lot about Twitter harassment and uh, sort of mob mob mentality. And uh, Melania Trump has made it her mission to make people nicer <laughs> on Twitter, which I love. Uh, like Donald yeah. Trump has sicked is sicked a word? He is sicked. Yeah, he's sicked. You know, his supporters on various people throughout this campaign. Uh, you know, I think that that I, that it might be a stretch, but we've seen what can happen when people get utterly harassed on Twitter. It's scary. Like, um, I think an interesting scene in this episode was when they went to the second girl, the one who had peed on something or like pretended or flicked off something. I forget what it was, but it was like a memorial, a war memorial of some sort. That happened in real life. Like, there was this girl who you know flicked off a um, a tombstone at arlington national cemetery and there was a massive backlash against her like for days and uh you know it ruined her life for quite a while um i listened to a good podcast about it, i forget where but uh you know this happens to people they make like a little tiny mistake and you know have bad judgment put it on social media and suddenly throngs of people are sent right. at them and these are just like random citizens and i think it's interesting to watch but um Anyways, that scene, they when they show up, before this girl even knew that, you know, bees were going to come after her, she was inconsolably upset by the stuff that was, like, coming in, the harassment that was coming in, that vitriol and hatred. And, you know, that's something that I think almost every journalist has faced at some point. I, I don't know if every human has faced it, but, like, we've all faced it when people don't like what we write. Like, we get shit talkers and who know, like, varying... Levels. Yeah, I used to, I used to, when I was at TechCrunch, I used to get death threats in the comments. I used to have people like sending like addresses, like, "Oh, is this your one two three, you know, Smith Street? I'm coming after you." It's like, no, yet. I, I to to be fair, it's like it, I guess you could say it's kind of like my my privilege to be like, yeah, go ahead, take your best shot. Like if I was a woman, perhaps I'd be a little bit more, you know, uh, nervous about people threatening my life. But I, I was a very cavalier young man at the time, and I didn't really take it seriously. But yeah, it was it was. I've had some pretty nasty things said to me, and I've actually kind of personally just become kind of like numb to it. And I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and I was I was trying to explain, you know, I grew up online, so I'm kind of used to like the caustic rough and tumble of like the four chans and the usenets and the IRCs. Like I'm fairly like like impervious to that. And she's like, okay, but that doesn't mean that you should have to be impervious to like that level of like vitriol online right i mean ankita have you been through any of this oh my God. yeah like a lot yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. obviously um 
Yeah, of course. And I don't think any woman online has not. And I've had like very clear stalking incidents that were like too, like almost like almost real, right? So you don't know. Um, but I think I mean I'm not gonna go into that. Yeah, but I, I think that like my, I think that what I kept thinking about during this that part of the episode was that other than the bees, which was I, I was also just like so obsessed with those bees and like what's <laughs> going collapse disorder disease. Um, but I was also just thinking about like shame and like that idea that shame would somehow effectively work to change something or like change and that's like clearly during this election has not worked um, because everyone got shamed like every and you know you would think that like like everything you said is wrong. Here's seven myth-busting facts that like yeah. tell you you're wrong, and here are ten really bad pictures of you also. And you know, like none of that works, and like that's not human nature. And the fact that we've decided that it's somehow something that can work online is very interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree entirely, and I, I think Twitter yes. and other <laughs> no, and other like other social media has made a everyone too accessible to strangers and everyone else at all times. Like there have been many times where I've just been out with my friends hanging out and I go to the bathroom to pee or something. And like on the walk over, I look at my phone and I've gotten like 10 DMS from like some random psycho, like telling me to kill myself. And I'm like, Oh, this is a great thing. Like I'm glad you disagree with me on net neutrality (laughs) or some shit. Like it's just, it's crazy. And it's like, it's a society we live in, and uh, you know it'd be nice to flip a switch and like make those people go away. And that's what happened in this uh, episode. And obviously, you can't do that because uh, for many reasons, and surely many of them will be rehabilitated and uh, feel shame at what how they've treated other people. And because if you engage with them, they often apologize. Yeah. Not all of them, but not all of them. Some but of them. I do think that like human connection makes people return to their self. It does. It does. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting premise for for a show. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys like Hated in the Nation? I I liked it. Uh, maybe people thought it was too long, but I enjoyed it and thought it was cool. I thought it was good. It's uh, I to be confess, I didn't did see not see it. It sounds wonderful. He's though. been listening to Alex Jones on InfoWars 24-7. There was a 52-hour. Uh, <laughs> How many of those hours did you listen to? Did I actually? To? Uh, probably like two or three. I was playing Civilization 6 last night and had I it on. I know what you guys talk about. Like, I legit, <laughs> like, I didn't, okay. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> thank you all for being here. But I'm here. humanizing um, you, and you I know, will go find out. <laughs> as, as much as I'd like to dissect every tiny bit of these episodes, I think uh, that world events this week have kind of led us to talk more about trump and i think uh black mirror is a good lens to do it through so thanks for bearing with us and uh yeah we like the show i hope you guys liked us we'll be here in trump's america as well sure so uh well so far that we know no we'll be here We're, we're the insurgency so that's our show Radio Motherboard is produced by me, Jason Kebler, and Ankita Rao. We were edited this week by Tim Barnes, and thank you so much, Tim, because I know this one was a bit of a disaster to edit. Uh, We will be back next week with an episode about how Donald Trump will have power over science and technology issues, the things we cover. 
Uh, so we'll talk about the things that he will be able to do, the acts of Obama that he'll be able to repeal, and we probably won't speculate about what he will do, but we'll talk about what he said he'll do. All right. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and every podcast app. Tell your friends about us and uh, yes, stick with us. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.